interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to Our Friendly World. Better, Stronger, Together. Good day. Good Hello. Day. I'm tired. Not tired. Whoa. It's hard to say good morning because I know all the other friends from around the world that are listening at different times. So good day. Good every day. Good right? morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our friendly world. Today, we have a beautiful family here with us. And I was I was thinking about it, Matt. You know, you and I met as friends. Yes. And we created a family together. Yes, we did. Sometimes when I tell people, you know, I came on this planet looking for my family and people have such an association with family as blood only. And I came here, you know, I came obviously was born into a family, but I'm like, I'm looking for my soul family, which you are a part of and our friends are a part of. Yes. And that's what I'm creating. I'm trying to create with our movement with our friendship movement here right right and and if you think about it when people fall in love they meet hopefully usually as friends and hopefully. they create family so right. why why isn't it just as um concrete as when when i'm trying to say when you meet someone that's a friend that is your family i feel like people tend to treat that as like, oh, well, it's not really family. We're just friends. Mm -hmm. But for me, it has never felt that way. So today's today's show is the family we create and which really entails families of all kinds. And interestingly enough, it's also the song title of Jen Cleary's new album one of her songs is called families of all kinds today we have with us jen cleary and her most amazing family member dorje dolma and here we go everybody i want to introduce you to these amazing women sitting right here with us in colorado but virtually where are you in colorado everyone welcome first of all jen cleary and Dorje Dolma. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I want to say some other things before we start. A little bit of a, a more of a little introduction here. So Jen, we met Jen. We became friends with Jen through our little girl, our youngest. Yes. In our little town here, there's an art walk. And I wanted the kids to take part in it. And so I called one of the heads of the art walk, who's a lawyer, who's an attorney, and somehow I found his name because I was making calls. I'm like, who do I talk to about this idea I have for the art walk? And so this person's name came up and I called him and I said, look, you know, I would love to involve my children who are incredibly creative and they're also learning business skills. We're homeschoolers and I would like for them to be a part of the community with art. Would it be okay if we set up like an old-fashioned lemonade stand but instead of selling lemonade they sold their artwork much like how all the stores and galleries on the main street here on second street sell their art like can we involve the kids like that and he's like oh my god that's a great idea as long as the shop owners are okay with it and so every week every friday not every Friday, every first Friday? First Friday, yes. And that's that's a thing. That's not a thing everywhere in the United States, but uh, it's, it is it's, in a, lot it's of places. a thing in Colorado for sure. First Friday, the community wants you to get out, stroll down Main Street, all the galleries and things are open. I feel like every town we've lived in, they've had one day of like kind of like a first Friday. Maybe it was like the third Saturday or there's always something like it's, I think it's, it's the thing. It's been the thing now. It for, certainly is a thing. I don't. I just don't remember that in California. Oddly enough, Santa Monica didn't have that in that 13-year bubble. And Sausalito, not so much either. I think they did. I think Sausalito, we just weren't a part of it. Oh, like, we enough. weren't a part of Anyways, the community. Anyways, sorry. Sorry, I digress. We digress. <laughs> we digress. So what happened was, on one of these Fridays, 
we were asking for permission and here comes this beautiful woman with her guitar and she's setting up and lo and behold we have Jen Cleary and so we were talking amongst us like El Allegra you and I like we should really ask for permission from this beautiful musician over here because she's in a way a business a shop right right so we should ask her for permission and so allegra went up to you jen and i really don't know what she said allegra and l have this talent for finding our family friends like they go and seek them out their intuition is so much better than ours they can find the greatest gems in humanity and bring them over to us and say hey we here's someone we discovered right here what ended up happening was Allegra drew a portrait of you and it's actually now her first commission of her young life on your beautiful album cover, your beautiful album that's titled All Together Now, which comes out June 4th. This album, first of all, Jen Cleary is a folk, rock, and blues singer, songwriter, this new album that's coming out all together now is written and produced for children and families and celebrates environmental and social consciousness, everything that we talk about here on the show. It's about caring for other people and for families of all kinds. And so today I would like to discuss how this songs came about, especially like, Jen, you were talking about how one of the songs came about when you were walking with your mother especially song number 10, Families of All Kinds, that you wrote with Dorje, and how you all came together and formed your family. What an extraordinary story. Dorje Dolma is the author of Yak Girl, growing up in the remote Dolpo region of Nepal. So Upper Dolpo is northern Nepal, which is along the Tibetan border in the Himalayan mountains. And I think not very many people know about it. I know that I know of a book in 1978 called The Snow Leopard was written about it. And then there was the Oscar nominated movie Himalaya in 1999, I think. Uh, French and Nepalese film crew went and filmed this Oscar nominated movie about that region Mm -hmm. so anyway there's so much to talk about everyone please welcome jen cleary and dorje dolma thank you so much for coming here and being with us today welcome thanks to both of you for having us it's wonderful to be here thank you so much for inviting us i'm (laughs) sweating i'm sweating (laughs) (laughs) okay i'll start i'll start So, Jen, can we, should we go song by song, like really briefly, talking about the music? And then when we come to song number 10, can we really get into your relationship together, you and Dorje? We are talking about the fabulous album that's coming out on June 4th, all together now. And we're also talking about family, of course, which is what the album is about. I want to know all the details of how you met each other on this little blue dot, which if you're living on this blue dot is such an immense world with so much contrast. How in the world it is that you both came together? That is amazing. And the family that grew bigger as a result of your meeting is so extraordinary that I feel like my words are not fitting. I don't know what to say. I'm not the expert interviewer. I just pray that you're willing to just share your story with us from the beginning of how you met and whatever is in your heart that you want to express to our friends from around the world right now listening. Uh, please go for it. But let's start with your music, Jen. Let's start with your album and the family we create. I know that you started early at so age yeah, seven. I, I, this is all together now. It's my fourth album, and it's the first all children's music. Uh, it's rocking songs for kids of all ages because I didn't want to go too far out of my realm. I like to play this kind of acoustic rock and blues music. <laughs> uh, so it's really a fun um 
album that anyone can listen to, I feel. The first one's called Our Wild Family. And the other thing about this album is very collaborative. And so during the pandemic, what a gift to be able to have this time to write these songs and some with my family, including my mother and a niece and Dorje and uh, just really great opportunities. So the first one, Wild Family, was written with Connie Shaw. She's actually the publisher for Dorje's book, Yak Girl. And she had never written a song before, but she's an amazing writer, an amazing editor, an amazing person who really helped Dorje's book come to life. So that's a whole story for another time. But that's a little backstory of who this co-writer is. Um, and just she's an encyclopedia of knowledge. So it was really fun to sit down and write a song with her. Um, and she could come up with words and, and manipulate words. So we had an awfully great time um, doing that. And it's, it's an ecology song and she, her passion is about the planet and protecting the planet and appreciating the planet as part of our family. So it talks about family and animals, birds and trees are related to you and me. We all need the wild places with waterfalls, rocks and bees to make us happy, feel free. Mm -hmm. Please take care of our family. So there you go. There's the first song. Uh, in a nutshell. Um, the next one, My Sisters and Me, is about beekeeping. And this is also family. The, the hive is a family and it's, uh, its majority is sisters working together for the greater good and to make a little extra honey for you and me. So um, that one I wrote uh, as a beekeeper, I had a lot of knowledge. Uh, and so there's a lot of fun facts in there. And then- Interjection, interjection, Jen is a beekeeper. Did you know that? No, I did not actually. But I have to say when I when I was listening to the song, I, I, I swear when you sing the chorus, you know, my yeah. sisters and me, my I, could, sisters I, could, and me. I, could, I could hear your smile. <laughs> it's pretty fun and people love to sing that line along with me right. so uh, it's it's a bit of a female kind of anthem or you know a bit of a, a female power song too and uh it, so people can interpret the song in different ways but it, it was very joyful to write um scat's the word for that i oh, wrote dear. with a, a scat <laughs> a double meaning there um and she um has a wonderful education in ecology and I went to the Nature Center in Ogden, Utah uh, where they invited me to put on a show with kids there. So I wrote, actually I wrote My Sisters and Me for that some years ago uh, and then scats the word for that, the woman who invited me down there, Cheyenne Herlestein, um, she and I sat down and wrote the song scats the word for that. And she had all the, the details again and the, the knowledge to put in the song to make it technically correct. Um, and then we just had a lot of fun singing it, and uh, I'd, I'd scat a bit in the song. So very fun and playful. And for those um, of our listeners who are not aware... I was not aware what's... I thought scat was purely a musical word, term. <laughs> I, did, I, I, didn't know, I did not know what it was until we were taking a class in the mountains of Colorado. The yeah, ranger me, me taught me what a scat was, but our kids knew what scat was. Isn't that weird? But anyway, go ahead. I I interrupted you again. Scat is poop. Another, Scat yeah, is poop. poop. It's poop. It's poop. It's poop. And, and that word might be mentioned in that song somewhere. So, and the kids love it. Oh, and the funnest thing was when I recorded the album, I had the hardest time finding kids because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they kept going into lockdown and quarantine. And But we had a studio where there was two different rooms. So you could walk in in separate entrances and had the air purifiers and all that so we finally were able to get the kids and some kids in there on the album and it's just a treasure to hear them and this particular song because it has poop in it the kids were just cracking up and giggling i love I, it is so funny poop is funny poop is all poop is literally I'm, to me it's always funny my kids unfortunately i think are starting like my oldest is like not as into poop being funny not <laughs> as into um and so it's weird I, I think they're gonna end up being a lot more mature than me one of my favorite sounds is the sound of a fart honestly <laughs> i i love it it's so it's always been funny it's never it's never not funny to me i love it well, I love it. There's there's nothing funnier than a little baby farting for sure. And also like animals farting. I love it. I'm sorry. I digress once again. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Back to food. <laughs> okay. So anyway, the, the producer caught them laughing and it's just the cutest thing because they're just giggling away and it's on the album. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so it's treasure. If you listen carefully, you can just hear them really enjoying the song, which makes me so happy to be 
teaching and being educational about animal poop and having the kids just have a great time and dancing to it and all that. So that's that one. Clean Water is a song that my niece has a three-year-old daughter and she said to me at one point when we were together, I love to write songs. I said, well, we should write one someday. So out of nowhere, again, in the middle of the pandemic, I get this little video of her singing to her daughter in the bathtub about how to keep the waterways clean, how to keep our oceans clean and our streams clean. And uh, it was just the cutest, loveliest, sweetest, short little video. It was only 20 seconds long, but I was able to take that and make that into a song and go back to her. She was uh, working for the Raleigh Water Department at the time. And so she was very much into being an environmentalist and keep, you know, having clean water in the city of Raleigh. And so she came back with technical, again, things that we could put into the song, lots of words and lyrics that I then manipulated and made into a melody. Mm -hmm. So again, positive messaging for the kids. Um, Love Right Now is the one that I wrote with my mother, um, or she inspired, I should say. We walk a mile every morning. And I was in the middle of this process starting to heat up with these different songs. And she said, I think you should really write a song about caring about other people because that's what we're about. And so immediately I went quiet and we were quiet for the rest of the walk. And I developed the song in my head as we were walking. And by the time I got home, I sat down and I created most of the song. And then I went over next, my mother lives next door and we went over and shared it with her. And we went back and forth until the song fell into place. And so that is very meaningful to me. My mother's 87 now. And, you know, this was a hard year with all that happened. Um, right. And particularly for people older, we're very, even more isolated and, and some major challenges. So it was a beautiful thing to be able to write a song with her inspiring it. Um, bubbles, I just wanted a song that I could have a bubble machine for. <laughs> so I bought a bubble machine, $29. So now I have my own bubble machine and I have a great thing to pull out at my shows. It's got remote control and I can't wait to start performing it live. It's just goofy and fun and playful. And I wrote that with a friend of mine who's a songwriter, Ken Langford. Um, backyard farm, I have a backyard farm. And so I just thought it would be really fun to have a song. It's kind of like an old McDonald's song, but about my own personal experience with animals living in my backyard. So I do the animal imitations and it's just a goofy, silly kid's song. Interruption. Isn't that how you started, Jen? Didn't you start your own concerts in your backyard when you were a kid? Is that, am I, am I right? (laughs) You are right. When I was seven years old, I saw an advertisement, uh, on, um, on the television to hold a backyard fair for the leukemia society. And I thought, oh, great idea. I got this little packet and I held this fair. By then I turned eight years old in the fall and had this great little festival for the neighborhood kids. Well, that I did it year after year after year, uh, all the way through being a teenager and ended up having these huge fairs with live bands and uh, politicians coming through, professional athletes signing signatures. It was hilarious. So yes, my backyard <laughs> has been a big part of my life and my neighbor's lives. It's always been a you know, big community kind of center. That's amazing. How did that start? Was it, was it influenced from your parents? I mean, is it you're just purely... My parents were very, very generous. Uh, and I think they led by example. They didn't pressure us into that or do make us do anything. It was just that they, they did a lot of foster care. Uh, they gave money to charities. They were involved with their church. They would always help wherever they could. And so I think that was just a really big inspiration for me. And was it, um, am I thinking Florida? Where, where did you? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Just outside of Boston. I was way off. Yeah, you were. <laughs> north, north of Florida. Amazing. I'm sorry. So I interrupted. Let's let's keep That's going. That's okay. We got a couple more songs here. Dinosaur Friend. I was camping up at Brainerd Lake in Colorado and next to a little boy who had a dinosaur named Charlie, who he played with those couple of days that we were camped next to him. And he... Um, he was just had this great imaginary friend. So I went in my trailer and I wrote the song about Charlie and this little boy and their interactions. So that's Dinosaur Friend. Less Gravity, uh, I just gotten out of the swimming pool and met another friend who got out and she said, oh God, it's great to have just a little less gravity. And so we wrote the song about 
just loving to float in the water and, and then it just got kind of goofy and fun and imagine having less gravity on many levels. So that's what that one's about. On and then so, the of so Hines, our great what's it? I, I said, um all these songs have really so many levels to them, but like gravity in particular, like we all could use a little bit less gravity emotionally, like we've right. all been through so much. A lot of the songs have double meaning or, or meanings that people can interpret the songs as they feel relates to their own life. Isn't that art? Isn't that the whole reason for art? And yes. it's like it can inject your spirit with exactly what you need. So like one sound, one word will enter someone and do exactly what it needs to do for that one particular moment in time. And it'll be different for me. And totally different for Matt and totally different for, you know. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Yeah. If uh, if a piece of art or a piece of music doesn't make me feel anything, it's not art to me, you know, <laughs> and that's just what it is. So. Well, you have to be careful. I've I had, know. I've, I've had, had I critics. Do. I do. I've had critics tell me your work turns my brain off. Right. Right. And that's interesting because sometimes, I don't know, yeah. they say my work sucked, but I think... <laughs> that they were looking at something that disturbed them so much it showed them their own prejudice right that it made their their brain turn off because you can't handle it you you're not you're not used to looking at something that's staring right at you that is so strong that you have a prejudice about you know what i mean so i don't think you could ever have no emotion about anything you know it's like when you ask someone what did you do today nothing there's no way that anyone can do nothing. You're what did always, you learn today? Nothing. You're always feeling something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, okay. Yes. Point taken. But all right, let's go. Sorry, Jen. We digress <laughs> again. We're at the last song, the tenth song, and that's I think where you want to expand a bit on family, families of all kinds. So, Dorothy, <laughs> we were reading your book. I'm still reading your book. And the way your family comes, well, oh, gosh, there's so much. There's so much I want to talk about. Dorde, I want to talk about your childhood. Your little five-year-old self taking care of these animals and, and fending off the wolves and the snow leopards. Snow, snow leopards, right? Yes. Like, oh, my God. Like, now that I'm a parent, it just... I, um. I don't know. Help me out it, here, it Matt. It seems unbelievable. First of all, I'm a severe empath. Like, I can go to the grocery store and pick up someone's thoughts from two aisles away that I can't even see. And all of a sudden, I'll need to go home because I can feel them. I know it sounds crazy, but... So, when I read, when I read people's stories or I hear people's stories or I'm watching a movie... I am not like a normal person that can just, I, I need some time because one split second of something will forever take a hold of me and it, it's really hard for me. So I'm taking my time with your book, Dorje, and just sweet little five-year-old Dorje. You know, of course I think about our babies and other babies out there. Right. And this amazing, powerful Dorje yelling to get the wolves to go away, to protect the sheep, you know, to protect the goats. And just, it's so emotional and so beautiful. And, and so anyway, if we could, I know I'm all over the place because I'm still in your book and I'm all over the place. Like I have so much emotion. So help me rein it in, Matt. And ask the questions that I wanted to ask, <laughs> which is, can we just go back to how in the world, Jen, did you end up in this particular part of the planet? Like, tell me what led you there. And can you please describe the beautiful union of you both coming together and creating a larger family that is you? Well, I think I'll go back to my parents inspiring me to do as much as I can to make a difference in the world. And so at one point I was lucky enough to be able to work during the year and take the winters off and travel. Uh, 
And then I was traveling around the world and I settled into Nepal just being my favorite place that I had ever been to. And so I went back several winters in a row and I volunteered in a medical tent for Ropa International, which is a Swiss charity NGO in Nepal. And they were kind enough to let me join them and be helpful and uh, be a part of that community. And so the third year I was there, winter, Dorje's parents walk had walked a month down from the high Himalayas, 14,000 feet, into the medical tent where I was volunteering. And in comes Dorje, and she has a severe scoliosis. Dorje, so how old were you? How old were you then? I was, um, I was uh, almost 10. So then I took her all around Kathmandu and tried to find medical work for her and there was nothing that I could do and I was told she had two years to live and to forget about it, that I can't help everybody, you just have to do what you can and go home again. And I wasn't good with that, so and now I had met Dorje, we had been together, I felt a deep connection to her immediately. Uh, you don't know why things happened like this, but for some reason I was picked up by the greater force in the world to, to do something more and not just leave it at that. You know what I think it is? Maya Angelou said it perfectly in one of her poems, we've known each other in and out of time. So we have been family in and out of time. So, and with certain people, once we see each other on this blue dot, it, it just all comes together again. I have to say it was pretty magical, and what's unfolded since has been magical. I was able to come back and find, I started a nonprofit with my mother and my partner, and and we were able to bring Dorje over, and we ended up bringing over several other children also to get scoliosis surgeries, life-saving surgeries, and we ran that charity for 14 years. But Dorje was the, the beginning of that, and she was a trooper. She had to go through two years of really intense surgeries, intention was not to keep her physically here with our family but to just get her well and to send her back but as we as she stayed here she felt like family one and secondly they recommended that she not go back because her lungs lungs were compromised and it would be dangerous to return to 14,000 feet and heard yak and collect firewood uh, was such a medical condition so I asked Dorje at that time if she wanted to join our family extended family not to take her away from her original family because she still has brothers and sisters and parents and and all that it's it was more to expand our collective families and so she stayed and was a part of our family and she has been the most amazing person and now she's giving back by writing her book and going back to Dolpo to try to make a difference in people's lives there by fundraising and then she intends to go back next year to try to make an even greater difference is it uh, in her is it still hard to get to dolpo because i know from Kathmandu it takes a month to walk to dolpo um have there been any roads now or is it still that hard and you can only go during the summer i'm sorry i keep talking um so yeah basically Though in my book, I mentioned that I walked a month. At that time, uh, my family and I, we, we could take the airplane, but we didn't have money. So we just kept, kept continue walking. But there is a district headquarter where they, there's an airport. But you still have to walk there for 10, 15 days, depending on where your village is located. And then you can take the airplane. So doing in the 90s and 80s more villagers walk just walk the whole way because people didn't have money to fly and there was not a lot of flights at the time either so but nowadays uh people can more people fly and they would you know take the bus from Kathmandu to the nearest airport and then they can uh, fly and then walk for 10 to 15 days so at the moment it's still the case and but it's it is slowly it it is slowly developing people are trying to build the road although the it's against the mountain i don't know if i i'd probably rather just walk than 
take a bus that's like right on the cliff. Right. And so, but people can walk, ride on the horse, but it's, it's still a very uh, long, long journey. Can you please describe to us what sticks out to you most at the age of 10, going away from your family, coming to a new extended family, and going through surgeries and all of this? If you could describe to us, like provide a scene for us from your heart of that time, what words would you choose? How would you express the emotions that you felt most back then? Dorje. Yeah, I would say, I think definitely uncertainty, fear, but at the same time, a hope. I, I, when I met my new family, my, I just, you know, sometimes like there's this, that, that's the question of where people, sometimes we meet people and it just feels, even though we don't know the language or the culture, there's something, their heart connection. And I felt that with, you know, my mom and my, my American family. And I just f- felt this trust. And I knew that even though things going to be, I will, I have to go through a lot, you know, I mean, can you imagine if you were uh, not 10 years old having to, you know, go f- from completely a different country to and be in a, another country that, you know, you, most often that you don't look like and you 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 don't understand the language or the culture and for me I was extra challenging because I came from Dopo where we're living and still in the ancient world where we didn't have roads electricity schools medical clinics and so I'm still adjusting to my city life in Kathmandu where I thought you know, cars or the buses or cows. I'm still relating to that, trying to figure out the modern world. And then come coming to, you know, in America, it was a huge adjustment. But I think my my main goal in my mind was I, I have to survive. You know, I have to survive for myself. I have to survive for my family. Um, and, and I hope that if that happens, then I can also be survive for the, the villages and you know somehow give backs and I can somehow benefit by by living maybe I could benefit others so I think I've you know there's a fear but I think there's a uh, hope and this sense of faith and strength and so yeah I would say faith hope fear and strength are those are the words that I, uh, I would describe, um, but yeah, I think I would. I was very, mostly really determined to uh, make it through the surgery, which I knew was going to be. It. I mean, pretty much my whole back's going to be somehow open, and I, so I have to like, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, pr- pray or something, some magical thing will happen where I will also come out of it live. Yeah. <laughs> So, but it, it, but it took, you know, it took, took us international community to make it happen. You know, even though I wasn't in America, you know, my family and people in Nepal, they were praying for me. So I just felt the love from around the world during that time. And so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Um, now, what our listeners couldn't hear is my wife shaking her head yes, because my wife was indeed plucked from another country, came to America. People didn't look like her. So there's a lot of relating going on. I couldn't on. speak the language. Couldn't speak the language. The culture is different. Now, fortunately, she didn't go from mid, you know, medieval you know, times to the quote-unquote modern world the way you did, and it wasn't for surgery, but wow. I so mean, yeah. were you just like caught in this world of like, this is all magic, and, you know, I'm... I'm sure magically that something's going to happen and my back's going to be okay. And you were just kind of just going with it and going with the flow with the belief. I would say it come, it comes and goes like I, I would have like, Oh, it's going to go. Okay. But then I would have sometimes at night I would go, Oh my God, but if it doesn't, you know, there's a, that always a little bit of if, if, but you know, once 
I, you know, I trusted my, my, I really fell right into, I don't, I fell right in, settled right into my new family and I trusted all the doctors. I mean, I was, another thing was I was blessed with amazing doctors and nurses that took care of me. And I just, again, that's just the, having that faith and sometimes you can't, you just have to kind of trust in yourself and trust in others when there's the, you know, the right people come in your life. And even if it's a little bit uncertain, uh, you kind of have to keep, keep moving forward. So even if I got a little scared, I, I, I just believe that it's going to be okay. And, and I'm still alive after 25 years. Uh, because I came here in 95. Look at how amazing life is. Can you imagine before you're born, like if you look at things like a contract, okay, I'm going to be born 16,000 feet on this, in this part of the planet, living a place that's 16,000 feet high, totally away from what people consider this country and that country, this culture and that culture, right? And then having your longtime spirit family friend who lives on the other side of the planet, who you may say randomly ends up in this one country and then like all the circumstances bring you together mm-hmm. and like and then all the hands the healing hands that come together and form a circle around you to heal your bones and make your life thrive and you make other people's lives thrive you know look at how connected this is what trips me out like wow can we please focus on that rather than what we've been focusing on in the world with all this hate and like uncertainty and fear this is how amazing life is like one thought one heartbeat can totally change the entire universe and bring us all together and see that we're all interconnected that we're all family like this beautiful family looking at us on our computer screen right now (laughs) in the midst of a pandemic still having this connection with each other right i'm blown away okay once again i digress so jen so you're (laughs) so yeah let me talk about the song then families of all kinds if if you if you'd like no wait 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 wait. can we go back so okay Dorje, Dorje, how long, um, so it took two years for your surgeries? Well, yeah, I had surgeries in 96, 97, two years, but lots of other maintenance. Of course, um, yeah. You know, like I came in 95, but I had to do a lot of tests and uh, so kind of getting ready. Um, I mean, it was, it was, my back was 112 degrees curve so there's a lot lot of uh sort of maintenance to do yeah two years was when was it when was the first time you were able to connect with your family back home i went back home in 2000 so that was the first time so that's about five years after i arrived here can you describe to us a little bit about that to, um, to see faces again because it's not like you can talk there was no zoom back then no, we we not. barely had internet for most people around <laughs> here so so there was really very little communication I, I imagine no phone calls no we i had uh, my family of uh, friends in nepal they made video um cassettes recording so my parents sent uh sent me recording you know they recorded messages on cassettes and then photos so photos cassettes were the only way and letters that was my and i would hear from them once a year or every other year and then i went back in 2000 that's when i met them first time i would say i was a little bit culture shock because just to, this just 
getting used to being in it's a new smell new everything but then and and also kind of getting used to my family because we haven't seen each other for a long time but then we dive right on like it only took like a day or so and then we sort of I settled right in and it didn't feel different and it was it was just really nice uh, really ni wonderful reunion and so yeah it, when you first saw your family again where were you? How far away were you? Were you in a room or did you see each, each other from far away in a field? Like when you first knew, oh my God, there they are. Where are you and where are they? In the same room, very small, same room, <laughs> tight room. Was it I mean, one of the ways we greet each other is we, you know, we bunk our heads together. So it's definitely not in the field from distance. It was close and so... We, they were, they, we, you know, bow and touch each other's head. and We just did a show on that, by the way. <laughs> we were doing greetings from around the world. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was in, in, in the same, same. But there's a video of it. And yeah. Dorje's father goes up and keeps putting his hand on her back. Oh. Because when he left, when she left, she was very, very deformed and hunched over and not able to move her arms. She was, um, you know, really, really deformed. And so he just kept putting his hand on her back. All of them, actually. To feel like, what happened to the bump that was there? You know, what wow. happened to the hunchback? And, and he kept feeling her back and feeling her back with his mouth just dropped open. Yeah, and my mom, too, she was keep checking on my scars. And the, both of them, my parents were just really grateful to, to everyone's... Kindness, you know, complete strangers. I mean, that's like uh, that saved their daughter, really. And because the one of the reasons that we made that month-long trip was to find help in Kathmandu. And uh, and then I talk about this in my book uh, that in Dobo, there's no uh, at the in the nineties. We didn't even have clinics. Nowadays, there are small clinics at some villages, but in the 90s, there were nothing so other than herbal medicine. And um, it was common for families to lose many children, like my family. Uh, we lost five. Five of my younger siblings died before the age of one. And then I, my parents, was really scared that I was going to be next because oh. right yeah because of, yeah because of your scoliosis yes so they <sighs> they walk down to Kathmandu to hope to find um, medical help but the doctors there once we got to Kathmandu I mean they just said sorry we can't fix you we um, you'll have to go to America. I didn't know. I was. I thought, oh great, I have to walk another month. <laughs> oh <laughs> dear. <laughs> but, um, but that's when I met my family. And Jen, I, I'm assuming that you're all family now. I'm assuming that Dorje's parents. And Absolutely, yes. we have expanded into this beautiful multicultural across the world, and we do Zoom calls with Dorje's whole family. And she's got a, a sister and a brother that are in uh, the Netherlands now, so they'll zoom in <laughs> from there, and they've wow. come to visit us here in America. So we have a great relationship with them. And then I've been back to Kathmandu many times, and their family. I mean, we're all just this beautiful extended uh, family. I just love it. Love every one of them. The nieces, the nephews, big hugs when we all get together. It's beautiful. Yeah, you should take over, Matt, for a little bit. I'm crying. I can't. And then when I cry, <laughs> my voice sounds weird, and then you're just going to hear a lot of <laughs> over here. That's me. <laughs> well, let's, get, let's actually get to the song. Okay, so the song. So here 
we are in this pandemic and these songs are starting to pop up and come together and I was able to write the song with with Connie and the first one who had never written a song before and mm -hmm. Scat's the word for that this Cheyenne had never written a song before so I thought well why not at least try with Dorje we've got nothing to lose it's not like it has to be recorded or right. go anywhere or do anything but I said well what would you like to write about what's the topic you come up with the topic and she said well I'm thinking like of all the different kinds of families that there are because I come from a different kind of family. I was a nomadic yak herder going from my aunts to my grandparents to my parents mm -hmm. up until the age of 10. And then she comes down and has to be in an orphanage, children's home for six months, completely different situation. And then comes to my household, which is, was a really dynamic community kind of household. My mother came to live with us and we had friends coming and going and we, uh, I did foster care with lots of kids, and so we had a very, very dynamic household uh, happening. And then Dorje went to work at a preschool where there was all different kinds of families, all different shapes and sizes and colors right. and dynamics and two moms and two dads and stepdads and stepmoms and single dads and single moms and grandparents and on and on and on. So um, Dorje had a lot of material, so I said to her, why don't you write down all the words you're thinking of? So she brought me a whole sheet of paper with all these words of what she was thinking. And we sat down on a Sunday morning and put phrases together and manipulated and, and came up with a song. Is that, is that uh, not a fair word, but uh, is that a typical way that you would collaborate with someone on a song or every one of these collaborations was completely different than I the thought other. so yeah. there's no there's no secret formula but really the cool thing with Dorje was because she didn't have the same command of the English language because it's a second language to her mm -hmm. and she had never written music before that really it was her bringing the inspiration the topic the words and some short phrases and putting them on a piece of paper right and then allowed me to then take it from there and then she kept she would leave the room and come back and i'm like okay i've got this what do you think of that she goes, mm, i don't know you know so, okay well whatever about this and then so we went back and forth and back and forth and and created this whole song together so it was a beautiful process nice yeah it's it's one of those things i always talk about how if somebody asked me to draw a picture i don't know what yeah. to do Someone asked me to draw a picture of a house. You know, it's the whole theory of constraints. It's like, you know, we're going to limit the subject matter. You know, the subject matter is going to spin around someone else's collection of words. You know, I like to believe in my heart of hearts. That's maybe something I could actually do, but probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was for me. I, uh, I was really, uh, it was a beautiful thing, project to do mm -hmm. with my mom and also, I did a lot of writing collaborations during the pandemic, and I think it's I'm all about doing things together with others because sometimes just by yourself, it's like okay, there must be another way to make it work, you know. So right. some two heads is better than one. Um, but I think so. I was a teacher in Boulder for preschool for eight years, and. Mm -hmm. I really think like this album would at the time would have been really helpful because as I would one of the things that some of the things I would the projects that I did with the kids were you know uh, lots of art because I'm an art major I'm an artist uh, so we did lots of uh, art project every morning and then we would do yoga and we would do music kids listening to music and I would often spend you know 15, 20 minutes trying to find the right music because it's just, I wanted to make it educational, make it right. sometimes not so annoying because I have to listen to it too. So, but I think like this album for me would have, at the time would have been helpful because I think it covers everything, you know, and um, I think it's also good for parents too. It covers about nature, animals, and family and I think that's what really about and a lot of my own creative work with art and writing I try to bring everything together that because we're all connected with nature um, with animal human we all need to work together otherwise if you know we're having a lot more um, with fire flood there's so many things it's a, it's a it's a sign that we need to take care of our earth so I think 
this album kind of covers that all and I find myself now learning more about bees. <laughs> I know. So I was I just, even I, I still, I don't teach at kids right now, but I still go do talks. I've been actually, ever since my book came out, I've been doing a presentation for um, yeah, pretty much all ages and for schools I often talk about. Kids love the animals and they often relate through animal than say human. So I, it's been fun to talk about bees. I was like, I know about bees because <laughs> nice. my mom has a bee. <laughs> now I can say <laughs> she has a bee song too. So I, I, I'm very proud of my mom and I'm really happy to be part of a song that, you know, embrace family diversity. You know, I think, I mean, I think the most important thing is as, as far as families, and that's something I, when I was working with kids, it's like, okay, as long as they're, it doesn't matter what kind of family arrangement they have at home, as long as if the kids go home and they have someone that love them, nurture them, they're protected and they're safe. And that's what matters, you know? So if it's the grandparents, it's the two dads or two moms, you know, whatever the situation is that that's, as long as that they have, they can go home with a safe environment. I think that's what matters. Ab- absolutely. And it's, it's, it's so refreshing and so good to hear a song like that, where, you know, you are going through so many different combinations. Cause I think as, you know, if, if I'm a child and I have, you know, what do you even call it? It's not non-standard. It's not unnormal. It's not this is my family and this is just what they are and and having a song that says yeah these are these are families these are what they do my my best one of my best friends in high school was raised by his grandmother his and and uh, and his mother and you know it was just it was just that's what it was and and you know as his friend i didn't think that it's necessarily i didn't think of that as abnormal at all that was just that was just my buddy vince that was just his family and my family, like the people that really nurtured me, was not blood family. It was friends that came along the way, you know? And sometimes it was complete strangers that I didn't even really have a day-to-day relationship with. But, you know, one kind um, holding of my shoulder or one kind statement that that made me realize they saw me, that that was nurturing and that was my family and that was my support and we really have it everywhere you know i i remember being in tight spots in our lives and just the sweetest angels will show up for you and it may only last an hour that relationship but that relationship has actually been there all along you know like i said in and out of time and we're all connected and it's not just what you may physically see with your eyes but I mean, and going back to family, Absolutely. it's, it's we about love. The so we want to create. Yeah. Our, during the that? pandemic, our, our neighborhood, uh, as of March 13th of last year, we got together on Sunday afternoons for a, a gathering, a happy hour, whatever, almost every Sunday as much as we could. And we all then became much closer to each other as neighbors, which is hard to do these days. Everyone's on their computers, they're inside watching tv and movies and it's you know this got us outside more the kids were outside more they're out on their trampolines and they were playing basketball on the street and so it was an opportunity to connect with our community in a much broader way and it's just a beautiful thing we need to come together globally uh, and not just be so isolated Uh, we need each other that is exactly the message we need to come or come together globally and could you repeat the last thing you just said? We need each other. We need each other. Yeah, we do. We yeah. are absolutely in need of one another. Absolutely. That's it. Why are you folding your arms like that? What are you saying? Just feels, say it. feels like a bow on it. Okay, Matt says, there's our pretty little bow for this episode. <laughs> Why do you have to give me sign language? Like, we can talk. <laughs> our pretty little bow, there it is. So I want to continue this conversation again with you both. We do. I say I am sorry. Matt and I would like to continue this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us. And friends listening, 
this is not the end we this is just the beginning uh all our guests have been so amazing and jen and dorje what a beautiful blessing it is to be in your presence and for you to share so generously your lives with us and for you to come together with us and connect like this and i'm so grateful that we're going to be continuing our friendship with you thank you and everybody please look out for jen cleary's new album you can go to jen with two n's cleary.com also our podcast our friendly world podcast.com all of the links to dorje's book the link to jen cleary her album all of that is there for you forever <laughs> and mine is if people want to follow my journey or uh, i also do present uh talks public talks uh they can visit at dorjearts.com so my name with a-r-t-s.com perfect yes. and that will be there will be a link on our website to you so thank you again for showing up today <sighs> wow i i'm persian so i don't i can't really end things <laughs> okay then i'm gonna ask one pithy question at the end go ahead are you ready jen Yes. What's the hardest rhythm or rhyme you ever like had to do? And then you were like, oh, I got it. What was it? Oh, my gosh. Like, did Put you rhyme orange? Spot. Did you rhyme silver? What, 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 or was it, you know, you had to figure out how to fit a, a syllable in the middle of a line? What was it? Oh, boy. I, you know, nothing's popping into my head. Oh, dear. Our song, it was hard. It was <laughs> a lot of hard moments. I was struggling because I don't rhyme very well. But mm -hmm. she was like, oh. Was yeah, it was, was it? it was interesting was like, with Dorje's song because she I realized with English as a second language she didn't know how to rhyme easily, you know, and so right. trying to put together this sheet of paper with all these words on it where I couldn't find anything that rhymed <laughs> was a challenge. So I would say Dorje's song was a huge challenge because I the her her intention was so beautiful with what we wanted to do with the song that mm -hmm. it felt huge responsibility to try to make it so that it it flowed well so that people will enjoy listening to the song so that that was a, that was hard yeah, I, I sat I, there for eight, we eight there hours and the more <laughs> on a sunday afternoon and it just didn't stop and it went on and on and on and then we had to still come back to it over the weeks to come so yeah. that was the probably the challenging most challenging on the album fair Honestly. enough you know how one one other thing there are always signs out there. I find it interesting that at age seven, Jen started her concerts in her backyard. And I Dorje, <laughs> was it were you at age seven when you went to the river and you would sing? Yes. I read that part in your book. So it's interesting. Uh -huh. Like were you singing to each other? Like that that commonality that, that Were your seven seven year old selves singing to one another? <laughs> Right. Yeah, and what's also, well, nature, it's kind of, there, even, uh, it's, as we're adults, especially, we find like, that we have a lot of things in common, so I think that's why we get along well, too. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, you know, that this particular, all the kids that came into the medical tent over those several winters, that George and I, you know, and it was very practical when I took her, there, of course, there's a feeling of moving forward, whatever that was. But the fact that we've we've become just the closest of friends uh, is just amazing. We do have so much in common. We're stuck in this bubble together in the last year and a half. And we loved it. You know, it was just a beautiful time to to really get to know each other even better. We've got a similar sense of humor, and we both we look out for each other, and it's a beautiful thing. We're very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah you don't see in in the West, especially the families of gen different generations living together. So I'm used to it growing up. So I was like, when I came here, I was like, where are the grandparents? Where are the uncles and aunts? Dorje, that's what I say all the time. That's what I say all the time. And that's, that's I think, when I say, you know, the, the reason why we started this friendship movement was because I noticed how every time I came back to the United States, I was I had the culture shock of like, wait, what do you mean we're not friends like that? Like, 
how i don't you know because i come from a culture where you absolutely stay together we don't have separate bedrooms we don't have separate households all the families all generations live together you know i don't have a lease that expires at 18 years old where suddenly i have to be on my own we stay together so anyway my my theory my hypothesis is one of the reasons for the loneliness epidemic is really stems from family and how we feel like we need to have a separate this and a separate that, you know, separate identity and separate, you know, it just, it, it bleeds into friendship and how we, our relationships with the environment, our relationship with our friends really stems from this separateness issue within the family, especially within the American culture. I talk about that all the time and it probably sounds terrible. Like I sound so anti-American and I'm not trying to sound that way. I'm just noticing as a documentary photographer and traveling, walking around the planet. Look guys, this is not necessarily normal or okay to like say to your kid, you're, you're out at 18 boy. You better, you better, you know, rise up from your bootstraps. Like you're on your own kid. No, we're all together. We're here to help each other. We're here to love. Right? Absolutely. So do you see what I mean by being Persian? Like, I cannot say goodbye. I'll, I'll, we'll be in the doorway saying goodbye after a party. We're still standing there for 45 minutes. This is what happened. And see, now she's explaining it just so she can extend it all. But thank you so <laughs> much for being on our show. You are both thank so you. lovely. It's wonderful to talk with you. And thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening. And again, uh, ourfriendlyworld.com or ourfriendlyworldpodcast.com. All our info, links to our friends here, all over there. Be well. See you in a few days.